this morning. Before we begin, let's bow before our Lord in prayer. Seek his blessing. Our Father, which art in heaven, holy and reverend is your precious, matchless name. Father, we've gathered here together this morning in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. and We dare only come into your presence pleading his obedience as our only righteousness, pleading his blood as a cleansing and redemption for our sin. And Father, I pray this morning that you would enable us to exalt the name of Christ the Savior, that everything that is said and done here this morning would be done to the praise and the glory of his name, that we would be caused to look away from ourselves and look to Christ, and to trust him, to find our rest and hope and peace and confidence in him. Father, I pray you bless us in this hour as we look into your word. Don't let us just go through the motions of religion, but Father, I pray that you'd be our teacher. Speak to our hearts through your word this morning. And what we pray for ourselves, we pray for our children's classes that, Father, you'd bless in a mighty and special way. How we thank you for these little ones that you've given to us. And, Father, I pray that you would use this time to, to teach them the scriptures, that you might use this time to, as you did of Timoth- with Timothy of old, teach them the scriptures that makes, makes them wise unto salvation. Father, we ask you to forgive us of our many sins and failures and ask that you would always and only see us in our Lord Jesus Christ. For it's in his precious name, for his sake we pray, amen. Now I've titled the lesson this morning, The Gospel of the Kingdom, and you see where I got that title from, from our text in Mark 1, beginning in verse 14. Now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye, and believe the gospel. Now the Savior came to town preaching. He's preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. And the gospel of the kingdom is the gospel. It's the one and only gospel. The gospel of the kingdom of God is the gospel of of our salvation. It's the same gospel we preach today. You think about that 2,000 years ago, our Savior walked into town preaching the very same gospel that we preach today. It's the gospel of the kingdom. Turn over just for a second to Matthew chapter 3. I find this very interesting. This gospel, the gospel of the kingdom, it can't be silenced. John the Baptist preached the very same gospel and then he went to prison And our Lord began preaching that very same gospel, the gospel of the kingdom. Mark 3, verse 1. In those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's the very same thing that the Savior said when he began preaching. Now, those religious leaders of that day, they didn't like John's preaching. They didn't like his message, did they? They threw John in prison for preaching that gospel, and eventually they put him to death. And I'm just sure they thought this. We're done with that message now. This is this guy's been preaching that we put him to death. We're done with that, with that message now. And then the Lord came preaching the very same message, the gospel of the kingdom. Well, they put him to death. They thought, I'm sure, we're done with this message now. 
And then the apostles picked up and preached that very same message. They preached the gospel of the kingdom and they went all over the world preaching it. Well, they put the apostles, they put the apostles to death and they persecuted everybody that believed it and ran them all out of town and thought we finally run this message out of town. We're done with this message. And when they thought they were rid of that gospel, all they did is spread the message into the whole world. Everywhere those believers went, they went preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Now that's God's gospel. And it cannot be silenced. And aren't we thankful? We're the beneficiaries of that today. Now I want to give you three points that I think is is helpful in understanding the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom of God. John or Mark doesn't really give us any details of what the Lord preached, but I'm sure of these three things. Number one, the subject of the gospel of the kingdom is the king. Now, if there's a kingdom, there's got to be a king, doesn't there? Well, the Lord Jesus Christ is king. He's king by birth. He's the son of God. He's king by birth. He's The father made him king. The father gave him the throne. It said, sit here on this throne till I put all, put all your enemies under your feet. The Father's given everything into the hand of the Son. He's king. Now, you can't overemphasize that too much. The Lord Jesus Christ is king. He's king of kings. He's Lord over all lords. He's king. He's in control over everything and every event in his creation. He's king. Now this sovereign, powerful, mighty, glorious king did not stay in his ivory tower and live a life of ease and comfort. Instead, the king came all the way down where his sinful people are so that he could save them from their sin. The king came to serve his people, not to have them serve him. He came to serve his people by saving them from their sin. Now I'm telling you, you find me another king like that. You find me a king who rules in unquestioned authority who comes to serve his people. Find me another king like that. That's the king we preach. Now Christ, he's the king. But he's also everything else in his kingdom. He's everything in the kingdom. He's everything in the gospel. He's the prophet. He's the priest. And he's the king. Christ the king came as the prophet, the preacher. He came to save his people from their sins. He came to do the work of redemption. And he also came as the preacher to tell everybody what he's done for his people. And he's also the priest that offers a sacrifice that puts away the sin of his people. He's everything in the kingdom. He's everything in the gospel. Now the king, this is the king. You think now this is the king. He came preaching. The gospel of the kingdom of God is a commandment to sinners. Now it's good news. You'll never hear better news anywhere than the gospel of the kingdom. But don't ever be mistaken about this. It's a commandment. It's a commandment to sinners. See, it's it's the king. The king of kings doing the preaching here. And kings give commandments. They don't give invitations. They give commandments. Kings don't ask people to do things. Kings command people. 
Listen to what Solomon said, Ecclesiastes 8, verse 4. Where the word of a king is, there's power. And it's unquestioned power. Solomon said, and who may say unto him, what doest thou? Where the word of the king is, there's power. This is a commandment. The commandment of the gospel of the kingdom is to repent. It's to quit. Quit trusting your works of righteousness and turn away from those things. Because you've turned to Christ to trust him. That's a commandment. The commandment of the gospel is believe. Believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not just a good idea. That's a commandment. Believe. Right now, right where you sit, believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I'll get to more of that in a minute. But that's the commandment of the gospel. The gospel of the kingdom. Now I understand this. The gospel commands dead sinners to do something that we cannot do. I understand that. By nature, we cannot believe on the name of Christ. We can't make ourselves do it. And you know why? Dead sinners who have a dead nature, they can't believe. They can't do anything spiritual. A dead nature doesn't have the ability to believe. A dead nature doesn't have the ability to do anything that will please the king. But remember what Solomon said, where the word of the king is, there's power. There's power. Now, it's not our power. It's his power. The message of the kingdom is the message of Christ, the sovereign savior. He has the power to save. He has the power to give faith. He has the power to reveal himself and make his people turn to him. He he has the crown rights to do what he will with every son of Adam. Every son of Adam's in his hands. He turns them and does with them as he pleases. He has the right to damn. He has the right to pronounce a just judgment. And he has the right to save. He has the right to save and he has the power to save. Now that's the very definition of sovereign mercy. Sovereign grace. Where the word of the king is, there's power. There's power to save whom he will. There's power to show mercy on whom he will show mercy. And sovereign sovereign grace, sovereign mercy from the king, that's the only hope a dead sinner has. He's got to come in power and give life, doesn't he? Give faith, draw us to Christ. Now, Christ is king. Oh, I, I, wish, I wish people could get that through their head. Christ is king. He does what he pleases. Well, here's the good news of the gospel of the kingdom. Christ, the sovereign king, unquestioned power everywhere. He can damn and he can save. He delights to show mercy to sinners. That's the character of the king. Well, there's a kingdom. There's got to be a king. He's all in this kingdom. All right, number two. What kind of kingdom is the kingdom of God? Look at John chapter 18. God's kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. Kingdom, It's a spiritual kingdom. John 18 verse 33. Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? 
Now, you know, Pilate, he, he's a politician. He's, he's, he's interested in, in earthly rule, earthly power, earthly kingship. He, he's a, he's a puppet of Rome. This is an important business to him. Are you the king of the Jews or are you, are you going to, going to compete with the, with the Roman rule? And Jesus answered him, sayest thou this thing of thyself or did others tell it thee of me? Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? And Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. Now there's no question, I'm the king and I have a kingdom, but it's not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. My kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. Now the gospel, the gospel of God, the gospel of the kingdom, does not declare physical, material blessings of this life. It's, that's not the point. The eternal gospel of God does not tell folks how to get more out of this world. It doesn't. It doesn't tell us how to get more stuff out of this world. God's going to burn it up soon anyway. That just wouldn't make sense, would it? That the gospel is about getting more stuff in this world. Anyone preaching a health and wealth and happiness message, happiness and stuff in this life, I'm telling you, they're not telling the truth. They're not telling the truth. I see titles of, of shows on religious cable channels. I've never tuned into them. You know, a lot of times I do. It's like a car wreck, right? You, you got to rubber it. You got to look at this. But there's some stuff, I mean, that's just so bad. You, I just, I just wouldn't even turn it on. But I've seen these, these titles. God wants you to be happy. God wants you to be healthy. God wants you to, to be wealthy. Well, the first problem with that is this. God doesn't want anything, does he? God doesn't want. God does as he wills. God does as he pleases. You and I will do as he pleases. I can promise you that. If God wills for you to be wealthy, you will be. Or healthy or happy. If God wills it, you will be. But, you know, maybe God's willed you to be healthy and happy. And you know, and maybe not. Maybe not. I know this. It's God's will his people sorrow at some point. I know that. It may be God's will for us to be sick. It seldom is God's will that his people be wealthy. You know, if God wants you to be wealthy, he wants all his people to, to be wealthy and happy. The Lord sure failed the early church, didn't he? They were all, Paul said, in deep poverty, in deep want. <laughs> They were homeless and run out of their homes and lost their jobs. And this, I mean, the Lord failed those people if he wanted them to be happy and wealthy, didn't he? Now, let me say this, because you know this is true. Our God can, and he does, give blessings of this life to his people. And everybody in this room has to say, oh, God's been so good to me. He has blessed me so much. Oh, it's just you can't even you can't even fathom his, his blessing. I'm just talking about just physically, just naturally in, in this life. The Lord taught us to pray, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Now we look to Him to supply everything that we need, don't? And everything that we have comes from His hand. But the point of the gospel 
is not the blessings of this life. The point of the gospel is spiritual blessings. The point of the gospel is spiritual, eternal life. Not this temporary life, it's eternal life. The point of the gospel is not so that you'll have lots of friends in this life. The point of the gospel is a spiritual relationship with God. Now that's the point. Now, a spiritual relationship with God will give you brothers and sisters in this life. But it also will give you lots of enemies too. The point's not that you have friends and all these, you know, I see that in false religion. Everybody likes everybody. Everybody loves everybody. And you know why? Nobody's preaching anything. Nobody's preaching anything that runs contrary to this flesh. The point is a relationship with God. That's the point of the gospel. Second, the kingdom of God is a kingdom of righteousness. Let me show you that Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14 and verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Now the gospel of the kingdom is a kingdom of righteousness. This gospel declares you and I are unrighteous. We're sinners and that's all we ever will be, sinners. We can't obey the law. We can't do anything to make ourselves righteous. Now, if you got enough willpower, you got enough motivation, you can change some outward habits. But you can't give yourself a righteous nature. Can't be done. We need somebody else to do that for us, don't we? Well, the message of the gospel is how Christ the King makes his people righteous. It's by taking their sin away from them and putting it away by his precious blood. He makes his people righteous. He makes his people holy. He causes a new holy nature to be born in his people. He makes them holy. The message of the gospel is a new nature that's born of the seed of the king. That's how he makes his people righteous. And then the kingdom of God is a kingdom of peace. That's what Paul says, a kingdom of righteousness and peace. Peace. Now you remember when Abraham was returning from the slaughter of the kings. Remember he went and rescued Lot and all those inhabitants of Sodom that had been taken captive by those evil kings. And Abraham went and whipped them all. And as he was returning, Abraham, Scripture says, met a man named Melchizedek. Melchizedek is described as the king of righteousness, the king of Salem, which is the king of peace. Now I'm sure of this. I am just so sure of this. Melchizedek is a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. Christ the king. Melchizedek is the king of righteousness. Well, who do you know has a righteous kingdom? Christ the king, his kingdom, we just read the kingdom of righteousness. Melchizedek is also called the king of peace. Well, that's Christ too, isn't it? The king of peace. And the gospel of the kingdom tells us how Christ has made peace for his people. Now this peace must be made because you and I were all in Adam when Adam sinned. When Adam declared war on God, you and I declared war on him too. Now, 
God didn't start the war. God didn't start the animosity. God didn't, man did that. Well, something's got to be done to, to make peace. There's a divide between these two that cannot be crossed by the natural man. Somebody's got to make peace. So Christ the King, he came and he made peace for his people by the blood of his cross. The blood of Christ took away the sin that made God angry. So God's at peace. The blood of Christ took away all of the sin of all of his people. There's no reason for God to be angry anymore. There's no reason for God's justice to hunt down anyone for whom Christ died because the blood of Christ took away their sin. God's at peace. There's nothing for, the, for, for God to be angry about because of what Christ the King did. All right, God's at peace. God's reconciled. But what about us? We're still at war, aren't we? We still have a nature that's enmity against God. So God, the Holy Spirit comes. And he takes that blood of Christ, the blood of Christ that made the Father to be not angry. He takes the blood of Christ and applies it to our hearts. That's the new birth. When the Holy Spirit applies the blood of Christ to our hearts, it's a new birth. We're given a new heart. And that new heart, that new nature, is at peace with God. No one, I mean absolutely no one, who has been born again is at war with God. Nobody who's been born again is saying the way God saves sinners is not right or unfair. Nobody. If we've been born again, we've surrendered. You know when there's peace in a war? When somebody surrenders, there'll be peace if somebody surrenders. God's people have surrendered. We've submitted ourselves to the righteousness of Christ. And there's peace. There's peace. There's peace with God. And there's peace in the heart. You know why a believer has peace in, in the heart? We're not trying to earn a righteousness that we can't earn. If you're trying to do something that you can't do, there's just the opposite of peace in your heart and in your mind. Just a angst. Just a I more than anything in this world, I hate trying to do something I can't do. That just that's, that's, that's not peaceful. But if Christ is your righteousness, if Christ obeyed the law for you, if your acceptance with the Father is Christ, you have peace, don't you? Because you're, you're accepted. And when two people both have peace with God, they both have peace in their hearts because of what Christ has done for them, those two people should have peace with each other. They sure should. Now, I know we can't have peace with the world. I mean, how, how, can, how can somebody that loves Christ have peace with somebody that hates him? I'm not talking here now about the world. I'm talking about people that claim to be believers. There's a problem when those people are not at peace. There's a real problem. Scripture tells us, commands us, to seek peace and pursue it. If you're still there, Romans 14, look at verse 19. Let us therefore follow after things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. Don't look for ways to, to pick each other and tear each other down. Look for ways to edify one another. Look for ways to have peace. It's a serious problem in our day that people misuse the gospel of the kingdom. 
And they use it as a tool to fuss. They use it as, as a tool to fight with other believers. I'm not, just, I'm not talking about the world now. I'm talking about they, they use it to, to, they use the gospel of peace as a tool, as a weapon of war to, to fuss and fight with other believers and try to separate themselves from other believers. Now I'll tell you this. We don't have to agree on every little point. Now we're going to agree on the blood. We're going to agree on redemption. We're, we're going to agree on Christ. We're going to agree on the, but every little point, you know, just like I told you earlier, I'm so sure that Melchizedek is a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. I used to have a very, very, very dear friend who was adamant I'm wrong, but we're still friends. We still have peace. We don't have to agree on every little thing. We're going to agree on the blood. We're going to agree on Christ. We're going to agree on redemption. We're going to agree on those things. But we're going to have peace because the gospel is the, is the kingdom of peace, of peace. And be wary of that. Be, be wary of, uh, because it's such a thing in society today to, I mean, people look for reasons to divide. And boy, you just disagree on one little thing. You know, we're enemies for the rest of our lives, you know. Be careful not to do that in God's church. Let's remember this. Our gospel is the gospel of peace. God's people are citizens of the kingdom of peace. We should be peaceable people. Well, that brings me to the third thing. How does a person become a citizen of the kingdom? I like what I hear about the king, don't you? I like to be under his rule. I like what I hear about this kingdom, a kingdom of righteousness, a kingdom of peace. I want, I want to know about that. I want to be a citizen of that kingdom. Well, how, how does a person become a citizen of that kingdom? Well, the Lord tells us plainly. Look back at our text. Mark 1, verse 15. This is, the Lord makes it so plain. His, his preaching is not hard to understand. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Here's how a person becomes a citizen of this. Repent and believe. Repent and believe. Now the Lord says the kingdom of God is at hand. The king is here. The kingdom's here. Today. Today. Right now is the day of salvation. I tell you, the kingdom's here. Come to Christ today. Come beg him for mercy and forgiveness and do it right now. Right now where you sit. Christ is here. The kingdom of the gospel is being preached today. Now you believe him. You come to him and believe him. The way a sinner becomes a citizen of the kingdom is by repenting, believing the gospel, believing Bowing to the subject of the gospel, Christ the King. Now, repentance. Repentance is not just being sorry. Not being sorry, you know, for our sin. There's some sorrow involved in that. I, I wish I didn't sin. I, w- I wish I didn't trust in, in those idolatrous things, you know, that, that I used to, to, to trust in. I wish I never did trust in my own works. But there's some sorrow that, that I ever did did that, and that my flesh still wants to. But repentance is a whole lot more than sorrow. Repentance is a turning. Repentance is turning to Christ. 
We turn away from, from trusting in our religious works and we trust Christ alone because we turn to him. That's how you become a citizen of the kingdom is trust, turning to Christ and trusting him. And believing on Christ, it's simply believing that Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, the King, He is all it takes to save me. That, that's, that's faith. It's just believing He's all it takes to save me. I don't have to do anything to add to it. I don't have to do anything to make it effectual for me. Christ is all it takes to save me. Now, faith in Christ, believing Him, trusting Him, that takes all the pressure off, doesn't it? I don't have to be good enough for God to save me, which is a good thing because I can't be good enough for God to save me. See, that takes the pressure off. If I, if I, I just go back to what I said a minute ago, if I'm trying to do something that I can't do, that's pressure. Now, if I'm trying to do something, I'm an expert at it, there's no pressure. If I trust Christ, there's no pressure. He's already made me perfect in Him. Salvation comes from quitting, trusting in all of my religious works and trusting Christ. That's how a person becomes a citizen of this kingdom. Now, I know full well that we can't make ourselves repent. I know by experience we cannot. I don't care how hard you try. You cannot make yourself turn to Christ and trust him. You can't make yourself believe on him. I know that by experience. Only the king can make us turn to him. I tell you, you come to Christ, but only the king can draw you. See, he's got the power. The word of the king is there's power. He's got the power to draw you to Christ. I tell you, that's God's commandment, but I can't make you do it. and You can't make yourself do it. Only the king can do that for us. He has got to give us faith. He's got to, got to draw us to him. We cannot do that for ourselves. But you know what we can do? We can beg him to save us. We can be like blind Bartimaeus and just keep crying out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. We can beg him, can't we? We can beg him. You know what's the truth? Everyone, without exception, who's ever begged for mercy has been made a citizen of this kingdom. Our problem is we, we're not sinful enough. We don't know how sinful we are. Our problem is we, we think we can still help ourselves in some way. We're not helpless enough. If the Lord ever makes us helpless, you know what we'll do? We'll beg him for mercy. And when we do, he'll put us in his kingdom. That's Christ the King. That's what he does. That's our gospel, the gospel of the kingdom. All right. Well, hope the Lord bless that to you.